Last weekend, I introduced a theme that I'd like for us to focus on this fall, the, the months of October and November, but that is really drawn from the mission statement for St. Michael, connecting people to Jesus. So over the next couple of months, uh, I would like for Pastor Sean and I to unpack a little bit about ways in which people were connected to Jesus as we see that displayed and unfolded in the gospel readings. This week's specific focus is connecting people to Jesus through community. You've probably noticed the numerous times in the gospels where Jesus sought out people who, for one reason or another, were, well, disconnected. For instance, in Luke chapter 17, we read where ten men were healed by Jesus with leprosy. These men were probably some of the most disconnected people in the community at that time. Nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody wanted to touch them. They were required to live separately from the rest of the community. Talk about people who were disconnected. And then in the Gospels, we read about a Samaritan woman who, who stops at a well one day, and she comes there, in, in John chapter 4, she comes there at a time of the day when she knew nobody else would be there. She didn't want to see anybody. She came at the heat of the day because she knows nobody comes to draw water at the heat of the day. And considering her lifestyle, having been married five times and the man she was with was not her husband, people didn't talk to her. They just talked about her. Talk about feeling disconnected. Over and over again in the Gospels, we read about people who Jesus sought out, who felt marginalized or isolated or, for one reason or another, disconnected from others. And it was those people Jesus sought out, and when he did, they became an intricate part, integrated into the community. Today's Gospel reading is another one of those examples. The man's name is Zacchaeus. Although we don't know a whole lot about him, we know that he's a tax collector. Actually, we're told that he's the chief tax collector. It was the most despised profession in the Roman government. As far as the Roman government was concerned, a tax collector was to go to people and collect the assessed amount of taxes, but there were no standards. There was no rules or regulations in those days, so if you wanted to take more than the assessed amount, you could. And so essentially, people like Zacchaeus cheated people out of their money. Tax collectors were white-collar crooks. No one liked them. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, there's six references to tax collectors, and every reference is unfavorable. And so if that's the case, let me ask you the question, what sense of community, what sense of belonging do you think people like Zacchaeus felt in their life? 
Probably not much at all, don't you think? And maybe, maybe we look at somebody like that and what they did, and, and, and we don't really feel any sympathy for them because, after all, it's his own fault what he did, right? I mean, nobody forced him to cheat people out of money. It was his own fault, and you're right, it was. And isn't that how sin works? Sin has consequences. We make choices in our life, and those choices have consequences. The consequence of lying is mistrust. The consequence of refusing to forgive somebody is harboring bitterness and anger inside yourself. The consequence of cheating people out of the money is nobody wants to be around you. Maybe, maybe Zacchaeus climbed up in that sycamore fig tree that day because he couldn't see over the crowd and so he wanted to go to a higher level. Or maybe he climbed up into that tree because he knew nobody else on the ground wanted to be with him. Either way, that's why it's so incredible that not only did Jesus approach Zacchaeus that day, but how Jesus approached him. When you consider the kind of reputation Zacchaeus had, it would not have been surprising for somebody like Jesus to stand there and say, come on down out of that tree, you crook. I got a few things to say to you. But that's not what he said. Instead, he called him by name. He didn't label him. He didn't judge him. He didn't shame him and point out all of his faults in front of everybody else. He just called him by name. And not only did he just call him by name, but he invited himself. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today, he said. Here Jesus was willing to sit down at a table with a man that everybody else despised. And by doing that, it changed Zacchaeus' life. We know in this reading that, that after this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus said that he was willing to, to give back what he had taken. And in fact, he would return fourfold the amount. According to the Old Testament law recorded in the book of Leviticus, if you've cheated something, somebody out of something and you recognize what you have taken, you're to make restitution and add a fifth. But notice what Zacchaeus does here after Jesus comes to his house. He promises to pay back how much? Four times four times. In response to Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, he gives back more than expected, more than the law required, much more. That's the kind of impact Jesus has on people's life. That's the kind of impact Jesus had on Zacchaeus' life. That's the kind of impact Jesus has on our life.
Maybe you've done this before here at your church, at our church, I need to say that, at our church. Maybe you've done this before here at our church, but I've been at a church before where people did what are called cardboard testimonies. Have you seen that before? What happens is people write on a piece of cardboard a, a word or a phrase that they feel characterizes the shame that, that they feel inside themselves for something they've done or characterizes the way other people speak about them. Cardboard confessions. And yet, in our darkest moments, no matter what might be written on your cardboard or mine, that is not how Jesus sees you. It's not what Jesus calls you. He calls you forgiven. He calls you redeemed. He calls you saved. He calls you friend. He calls you by name. He calls you by name, and just like Zacchaeus, Jesus says, salvation has come to your house, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save you and me. Talk about offering a sense of connection. Talk about offering, establishing community. You see, here in this story, Jesus invited Zacchaeus to belong to him. Ever before Zacchaeus confessed belief in him, can you imagine now how other people looked at Zacchaeus? Maybe it's not just that Jesus wants to come to Zacchaeus' house, but, but other people want to come to his house too. After all, he's giving back fourfold what he has stolen from them. For a man who has not experienced community before, this was a game changer in his life. I think one of the reasons it's worth talking about this is I still believe that one of the lingering effects of COVID is a sense of loss of connectedness, a loss of community that people feel. Article after article, study after study has been written to show that the number of people today who feel isolated, alone, disconnected is far greater than was felt pre-pandemic. People are longing for a sense of community. <clears throat> a couple of weeks after I received the call here at St. Michael, I, I came here for a meeting one night it's kind of a meet and greet with leaders, elders, church council, and we kind of had a roundtable conversation about ministry, life, culture, the church. And as we were talking about things, I remember sharing a story that I also said, I'll probably use this in a sermon sometime. So a few of you may remember hearing this. Nevertheless, it really made and still makes an impact on me. 
A few years ago, a couple here in town were convinced that there are too many people living today, going through life alone, isolated, disconnected from others. And so they decided to do something as kind of an experiment. At the beginning of the year, they picked six dates over the course of the year to host six dinners. They selected the menu item for each night, a topic of conversation. There were eight seats at their table. And so with eight seats at their table, they, the, they posted on social media the number of seats, the, the menu item, the topic of conversation, posted it on social media, and just sat back to see what would happen. Within 24 hours, all six nights, all 48 seats were signed up for. And there was a waiting list for cancellations. Now here people signed up to go to somebody's house they never met before. To have dinner with people that they did not know. Naturally, the the people that were there were from a variety of different religious, political, social, cultural backgrounds. They ranged in ages from 22 to 74 years old. The couple who hosted the dinner said that most evenings lasted three or four hours or longer. At the end of the year, the couple who hosted those dinners reflected on those six evenings, and in doing so, they said there were three things that stood out for them. They came to realize that people are eager to have conversations with others that can make some kind of connection that may lead to lasting community. Let me repeat that. People were eager to have conversations with others that could make some kind of connection that could lead to lasting community in their life. Conversation, connection, community. I don't think you have to be a lying, cheating, money-hungry, grabbing tax collector to one community in your life, do you? Now, actually, I think that there's probably some things that we all can do to help establish a little more community with one another. And, and maybe that's doing exactly what Jesus did in our gospel reading. Call somebody by name. Now, I'm going to be the one who has the hardest time doing that. There's a lot of names I have to learn. But you know, as I've said that to people, people have responded to me by saying, well, I don't know people's name either. We'll learn them. <laughs> Can't we just start there? But you know, if you'd like a little more intentional help with what could it look like to establish community with others, then I want to encourage you to reach out to Celine Newman. She did the children's message this morning. She's our director of belonging. It's on her heart to connect people to Jesus through community, not just here, but for people outside of here. One of my all-time favorite stories is Babette's Feast. Maybe you're familiar with that story. The setting for that story is a remnant of Lutherans living in a small, impoverished fishing village on the coast of Norway. 
Through the years, they have renounced most worldly pleasures. As a sign of their piety, they don't allow themselves to experience joy, and they always wore black. Their diet was a routine of boiled cod and a gruel made from boiling bread in water. There were two sisters, the, the daughters of the original founder of that community, who, who led the little faithful following. One night, a French cook by the name of Babette knocked on their door. Her husband and son had been killed in the French Civil War, and she fled for her life. She ended up in this little village. Babette asked if she could be their cook for that community, and the sisters were somewhat skeptical, but they ultimately agreed, but only if Babette would promise not to break their flavorless culinary traditions. One day, 12 years after Babette arrived in that community, a letter came in the mail for Babette. It was from a friend of hers in Paris who every year, in honor of Babette, would buy a lottery ticket. And that particular year, Babette's number one, 10,000 francs. It just so happened that Babette's winnings coincided with an anniversary celebration that the sisters were planning <clears throat> for their little community. Babette makes the request to prepare a meal, and although somewhat reluctant, nevertheless, the sisters agreed to that one request. Babette quickly placed the order for food that she would include in that meal, champagne and wine, beef, fresh vegetables, truffles, ham, fish, fowl of all kinds of variety. When the day finally arrived, Babette decorates the table with crystal and china and candles. And although this little group were still skeptical of all of this extravagance, nevertheless, as the food was served, the food and drink began to have an effect on them. Although they'd never done it before at a meal, they started talking to each other, kind of enjoyed the conversation that they had. They laughed and, and reminisced of stories of things that have gone by in the past. As soon as one of them would remember an offense somebody caused, just as quickly somebody else forgave that. After sitting at the table long into the evening, they eventually walked home arm in arm, singing and laughing like never before. In the final scene of the stories, the sisters thanked Babette for such a wonderful evening. They realized that with her recent winnings, though, she would soon return to Paris. But much to their surprise, Babette tells them something they never expected to hear. I'm not going back to Paris. Why not, the sisters ask, since you have all this money? But Babette confesses that she spent all the money, every bit of it, all 10,000 francs, on the meal. It cost her everything. She spent everything she had for them to enjoy this one night of celebration that could potentially impact that community for a lifetime. Can you imagine the kind of conversation they had at the dinner table that night and long after? Can you imagine the kind of connections those people made like never before? 
Can you imagine the deeper sense of community that was established as a result of that one evening? I think in much the same, we can say, happened to a man by the name of Zacchaeus. For Zacchaeus and for every one of us to receive such extravagance, it literally cost Jesus everything. Jesus sacrificed it all. He gave up his life for you so you could have community with him and with one another. That's not something we want to keep to ourselves, is it? So no matter who it is, no matter what they look like, no matter what background they've come from, no matter what they've experienced in life, it only makes sense for the church to be all about connecting people to Jesus through community. I really believe that is why God has called us together. In Jesus' name, amen.